Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, we don't have music. I don't hear the music, Cal. The fly. There we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the DMVR Nuggets Podcast Thursday edition, aka Serbian Christmas Eve uh, edition. We're going to be doing a lot of great stuff today. We've got notebook notes from yesterday's game. It was a bummer not to get to share some notes. Went back and rewatched the game this morning, got lots of notes. I'm going to actually do an old school version of the list uh, today. So rather because we always get flagged whenever we share videos on, you know, the list live um, instead, I'll talk about them. I'll do an old school style notebook episode, and then I'll post the clips up on the DNVR.com for members only. And to help me with that, I got Harrison wind in the house. He hiding his beautiful hair behind a hat though. <laughs> uh, happy Serbian Christmas Eve to you, Adam. Um, I'm celebrating Serbian Christmas Eve by going to my first Avs game of the season tonight. I will be in the house, Avs versus Winnipeg Jets. I'll be there. Yeah, the Avs are the, the bright, shining star of the city of Denver at the moment. Yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Let's go. I'm hyped. In segment two, we're going to – Harrison and I are going to break down the all-star votes. There's some interesting all-star votes. Uh, talk about Jokic's surprise, number two in the standings in the West. Uh, and then also clean up some odds and ends. And then finally, in segment three, we're going to welcome on Voyaslav and Miroslav. You guys know them. They are the hosts of uh, the Nugget Serbia podcast, and they got some cool stuff to talk about uh, in that final segment. First, Harrison – and by the way, people don't know. I met, They announced this yesterday. I put it in the chat – I tested positive for COVID, no symptoms, but uh, went and got tested and I'm positive. So I'm in the room. It looks like I'm, it's almost looks like a mug shot, doesn't it? Me and the gets the blank wall. <laughs> so there's, if at Ball Arena, there's a room uh, right across from the Nuggets locker room. And there's just a sign on it that says isolation room. <laughs> and I don't know what goes on in that room. I don't know <laughs> what it looks like in that room, but I imagine it has a, like a wall very similar to your background right now it probably is it is like weird you know like i went and got tested and uh when you get positive i'm like well i guess i just walk up to my bedroom and lock myself in here and that's where i've been now for 24 hours i'll be here for another four or five days um it's a bummer but brutal as i i feel like it's important i don't know how you feel harrison this is actually my second time i'm on i'm on the mpj plan just getting the punch card here no, I got you're not quite there, but yeah, yeah, you're you're approaching. Yeah, I got it once back pre-vax, you know, like real early on in the pandemic era. Like I, I got it once. And it's funny because at that time we had the it was like shameful to share if you got it. Like people were like, right, right. you got 
Harrison, what's wrong with you, man? Do you not know there's a pandemic? Like, man, now here we are. Like one third of the world has gotten this this virus. I think with this new one, it's almost you know certain. But I wanted to. The reason I bring it up, like a lot of people aren't even sharing. I kind of feel it's important to share like the experience. We're all lying to each other about the experience here. You know, I am obviously vaxxed and boosted, and I got my boost like six, seven weeks ago. And I think that for the fact that I have it here and I don't really have anything, you know, any symptoms. I got a mild cough. I might cough three or four times throughout this hour, but um, I'm very thankful that I'm one of the lucky ones without symptoms and also, you know, got boosted early. Yeah, well, good for you because it seems like that's that's the trend. If you're vaxxed and boosted, uh, you'll feel all right. And yeah. look, we, we talked to a lot of NBA guys who have had COVID. And look, these guys are like the peak athlete. They're probably in a little better shape than you, Adam. Like they're, they're, they probably just keep their body in a little better shape, just a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't told you this, Harrison, but uh... – New year, new me, new diet going on already. Seven oh, pounds, baby. Seven pounds better than a pound a day. I'm liking half, that trajectory. Half, half of it is, you know, I'm like in COVID for half of this. So it's tough to diet and have COVID yeah. at the same time. But yeah, you know what? Who but a, a lot of NBA guys are, are vaccine boosted and they don't, from, you know, what we're hearing and what they're right. telling us, have had a ton of symptoms. So that seems like the best track to be on. And I, I know people that have vaxxed but not boosted, and, and you kind of compare. I know it's anecdotal, but you kind of just – it helps to have these little point of references. And I know people obviously not vaxxed, and you do see the whole range of outcomes. So I'm not telling anybody what to do, but my experience is boost, vaxxed, and boosted. I've got it. I tested positive, and I'm, I would say I'm like a 9 out of 10 on the uh, health scale right now. So knock on wood, hopefully it keeps going. Um, that out of the way. So, um, you know, this game yesterday – I, you know, I'm watching the show, The Instant Reaction. Did you go back and watch it last night or this morning, by the way, Harrison? No, I did not rewatch last night's game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't do my homework. It's it's so true. I feel like I've rewatched fewer games over the last, like, two weeks than usually in a season. I rewatch every single game or maybe save for four or five total. Over this last two-week stretch, you know, like the Houston game, I didn't go back and rewatch that one. It was a 30-point win against a terrible team and Denver missing half their guys. Yeah. Like, how much can you pull from it? Um, but I did enjoy going back and watching this one, even though it was so weird. I do feel like you can get some important details out of them. And I kind of wanted to go through line by line. This is an old school style notebook style. Like I said, a lot of the things I'm going to talk about will pop up on the list a little bit later on, but you know me, Harrison, my number one thing I'm talking about right now, actually, if there's number one thing I'm going to talk about, it's shot selection, but I'm going to get to that here in a little bit. The, the difficulty Denver is having right now as teams are getting smarter about what Denver, what the Nuggets are weak at just because of their roster yeah. construction, you know, the health and, and all this. I feel like when you put guys, uh, when you put guys in um, Faku, Rivers, Barton, especially this version of Barton, which has been really bad lately. And I mean, it's just, it can be really frustrating. He's one of the more frustrating players right now in large part because you expect more out of him. But as you go back and watch it, you see how much teams are, really taking advantage of the fact that they're not worried about those guys spacing the court and can really help off the very first play of this game or one of the first plays. I don't remember if it's first or second or third, but Faku enters the ball to Jokic in the post. Denver does this a lot. They give it to Jokic in the post. Cause they're like, all right, let's see how they're guarding us. They jump down. They dive down to double the ball inside on Jokic right away. It's Faku. So Faku dives like a cut, but 
Faku as a three-point shooter, if he's wide open, he's actually very reliable, one of the more guys, but he has a slow shot, low release, so it's easy to close out on him. But when he's cutting, teams just know they don't have to like, oh, no, here comes Faku on a cut down the lane. He's right. Like, he just can't fit it. Like you could be five, six, seven feet away from him, and by the time he catches and goes up, you can go over and challenge it. And even in the second half, there was an example of Jokic hitting Faku on a great dive, and he missed the layup even without – you know, somebody kind of lightly challenged it and he missed the layup anyway because he's so he always has to rush his shot. So that's one of my things is when you start to talk about all the things that have to go right in those lineup combinations, it's really hard. Faku enters the ball, but now he's not a threat to space or to cut. And that just makes things really easy. So then he cuts on that play. They double Jokic. He doesn't have a move. He kicks it out to a wide open Austin Rivers. Well, Austin Rivers is shooting 25% on open three pointers right now, you know, catch and shoot three. So it's just teams are are able. It's so hard for Denver to punish teams that teams are deciding double Jokic hard. Just don't let him score, and then trust that you can close out on the weak side without a threat to drive, without a threat to cut, and without a threat to punish you with a quick uh, trigger three pointer. Yeah, the Faku stuff has been tough because ever since I wrote about how he's been playing really, really well for the Nuggets, he's been awful. <laughs> that was two games ago. Um, but yeah, like his three-point shots fallen off a bit. And even when he was really shooting it well from three, nobody's respecting Faku Kampaz's three-point shot. You know, no, nobody's guarding him as a shooter. Um, and then, like you were saying, his inability to you know, be a threat cutting to the rim. I'm just looking up, you know, where most of his shots come from right now. 20% of his shots come you know, at the rim, he, which is a very small amount for a guard. It's a very low amount. Like he's really only a three point shooter on the offensive end in terms of like scoring the ball. And, you know, when he does get to the rim, um, shooting 55% there, which again is, is very, very low, uh, for a guard. So, um, yeah, just the personnel right now, it's really limiting just, the options they've got on the offensive end it feels like and i know like argentina's getting their pitchforks they're ready to come for me right now this is not a faku is the problem like it is a collection i faku is it's funny when i talked to george carl i think i brought up this up once before but he said when i asked him about faku he says i love him i think he's a great player and i would play him most games not all games like there's some games i just would not play him at all and not match him up and right now, Denver's so shorthanded, of course he has to play against everyone. Sure, of course. That's not a matter of should he or shouldn't he play. But I think it's more a matter of how conscious you have to be right now about who you play him with. And look, there's no – Denver's so shorthanded that you're going to have to play lineups right now that like are just not good, that are very risky. But Jokic is the most important player on the team, and I think the Jokic minutes are the ones you have to really emphasize. Are we giving him the best opportunity to go on runs, especially against a team like Utah that was also shorthanded, especially in their front court. And I just felt like Denver wasn't able to take it. I mean, Jokic was a minus one yesterday, and he was guarded by Rudy Gay for half the time, and he was guarded by Azebuke half the time. And it's just like you can't be a minus one in those minutes. And we'll get to why they were here in a little yeah. bit. So I wouldn't mind Faku playing with Jokic. Just give him a little bit more space and give him Will Barton at the two, maybe give him Bones Highland. Uh, just don't give him too many guys that are not going to shoot the ball very well. And maybe even look at Gordon, who's been really good. But maybe Gordon, you try to flex those minutes out to give a little bit more shooting at the four. Well, it's going to be interesting because Faku's probably moving back to the bench starting right. tomorrow. Monte's most likely going to move into the starting lineup. So that's just going to naturally cut down on the time he 
spends on the floor with Jokic. No doubt about it. Um, Austin Rivers, I highlighted this in a list episode. Uh, I think the last one or the, the one before that, you know, he's a really good defender. And it's funny, Austin Rivers and Jokic, the two-man Perry, I, don't, I didn't look at the numbers last night, but I looked at them a week ago or so. They have an offensive rating of 106, which is really bad for a Jokic lineup. Like Jokic, two-man lineups almost always are 110, 115. His is 106, but the defensive rating is so high. So I think Denver knows, like pairing Austin Rivers, or so low, I should say. Denver knows pairing Austin Rivers with Jokic hasn't worked on offense, but it's still been a net positive, maybe lower so than most two-man lineups. But they still look at it and say, okay, when he's out there, it's going to be a grind. And I think as a fan and even as an analyst, it's important to separate is this lineup frustrating and annoying versus is this lineup getting killed? Those lineups with him are really annoying and boring and like frustrating, but they're actually not getting murdered in those minutes. It really is to me those those that the trio and how you build off of it. Um, but the thing about Austin is, so if we say offensively he hasn't been good, defensively he has to be on point. He has to be locked in. And defensively over the last like five, six, seven games, there have just been these possessions where he's completely dropped the ball. One of the first plays of the game, Harrison, you get a side pick and roll with an empty corner, meaning there's no help. All of the players are on one side of the court and you're running a 1-5 pick and roll. Austin Rivers is guarding uh, Mike Conley. And defense, when you have an empty corner like that on a side pick and roll, this will be on the list, by the way, so you can visualize it, but I'll try to explain it. When you have a side pick and roll, defense has to ice that screen, meaning keep them on one side. If you're on the, the left wing, you have the left sideline and the baseline to help you sort of trap the ball if you can force them away from the middle of the court. Austin Rivers knows this Denver's defensive scheme. It's every team in the NBA's defensive scheme, by the way, in these specific moments. And Austin Rivers jumps like he's going to ice it. But then for some reason, he jumps out of position. Mike Conley uses the screen, empty corner, wide open alley-oop. It's like the easiest pick-and-roll lob Mike Conley will ever have. And it was all a result, for some reason, of Austin Rivers just not – following the most basic of defensive assignments. Yeah, that's surprising because one thing that you think that Austin Rivers would bring is experience and he's been around the league forever and he's a coach's son, which is something that I've actually, you know, heard that the Nuggets have liked about him, how receptive he is to coaching and how, you know, quick he is to implement stuff that the coaches talk to him about. But yeah, just basic stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's weird. Cause you don't expect it to be from him. Right. Um, the, the stuff that I've seen from Austin rivers, that's been frustrating. And there's been a couple of these that, that's happened over the last, you know, couple weeks, his effort competing for defensive rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. I put this one in the slack, but there was a play where, um, I forget who it was. It might've been Rudy Gay or one of, uh, Utah's front court guys just, had like three attempts right in the restricted area. And Austin Rivers just standing under the rim, just yeah. watching. Yeah, And it's like, dude, get in the play. Um, the, so it's yeah. just stuff like that. And the thing is, so unlike a guy like Will Barton or even a Bones Highland, even though he's a rookie, the difference is those guys are offensive players first and then defensive players second. That doesn't let anybody off the hook. But what I'm saying is, Austin Rivers has not been a value-add offensive player, especially with Jokic. It's a little bit of a weight when he's out there, and the numbers bear it out, a weight when he's on the court with Jokic, which means it's extra important for him to be dialed in defensively. So when he makes mistakes, it's not the same as when other players make mistakes. Now, I'm not trying to pin this all on him. I'm just going through my notes in order here, and it's a thing that has stood out, and it's going to be on the list. Some of these possessions where you think, 
you're an ace defender and you just lowered Denver's odds of getting a star- stop by like 50% on that possession or, to your point, didn't go after the loose ball the way you're supposed to. And, um, and, and but, look, like, look, Austin Rivers isn't supposed to be playing 25 minutes a game right now. Right. He was brought here to be like the fifth or sixth guard and really only play spot minutes here and there. But look, like Austin Rivers has been super candid about this stuff before. He's like, I think I can get back to the point I was earlier in my career where I was a starter, where I was looked at as like a nice uh, building block for teams. Um, He wants to get back to that point. I'm like, dude, you got to still do the little stuff to get back to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to bury the guy because like the t- team has so many problems. I'm just, like I said, this is the first note sure. from getting into it here. And I see a quote here. Somebody stepped the one says rivers adds no value to this team in any way. Wave him. I don't think that's true. I actually think he does add value. And the thing is, you know, this obviously didn't work out the way that it was, but if you gave me a lineup that was Jamal Murray, uh, Austin rivers, Michael Porter, jr, Aaron Gordon and Jokic, I would say, you know what? Austin Rivers doesn't need – we don't need his offense. Denver Denver can score whether he's on the court or off. He could stay in the backcourt. And then defensively, he actually is a really good on-ball defender. So I think there's some things you could say would be good. It's just the game hasn't worked out that way. And even now, if you get – Denver actually made a run with Monte and Rivers at one point in this game. And again, just the more spacing – Monte, Rivers, Barton, I think. So the more you can give him just a couple guys sandwiching him that can shoot, handle, get to the rim, play off of Jokic, the better I think he is. But when you give it – when you compound the Faku Rivers Bar- and Barton not making shots, not taking good shots, then it really just shoots you in the foot. Um, the Jazz did a great job in this game, and they're actually the best in the NBA at this specific thing. You're going to want to subscribe to the list for this very thing because I think it's so cool, and I think it's a thing that NBA teams are going to be doing more and more of. They sw- fake switch. So when you get – because Denver's so tough to guard when you have to switch. They are very good at – if you run, let's say, an Aaron Gordon, Faku, Compazzo screen – most teams would love to just switch that, but Denver's too good. And, and I, as I put, put out on Twitter yesterday, Aaron Gordon is in the top 10 in the NBA and post-up efficiency this season, which is a shocker. Like, he's usually not that efficient, but he's been so good at exploiting switches. Well, the Jazz do this thing where they will fake switch it. So it looks like they switch it. And then as soon as a pass is made, they both switch back. It takes, it takes incredible defensive timing and chemistry, and they do a great job of it. Uh, and part of this is compounded by the fact you can't fake switch uh, a Steph Curry like uh, pick and roll because even that little tiny half second of opening where you have to switch back, Curry's going to get you. Or if you have a, a four on him, he's going to be too good at putting pressure on you so you can't switch back. But if it's Faku, they're like, hey, if you're going to take a semi-contested off the dribble pull up three, have at it. So it's very easy, again, to, to switch back. But the Jazz did a great job of this all game of not actually switching, but stepping out just long enough that Denver couldn't, uh, like, turn the corner on a pick and roll. Yeah, oh. I was pretty impressed by just Utah's coaching and, and game plan last night. Quinn Snyder's an amazing coach. I mean, we know that. He's one um, of the better ones in the NBA. I think he might be a top five. I think he, I think he's probably a top yeah. five coach in the NBA. Yeah, I agree. Um for for him to to come up with a game plan last night without Rudy Gobert that you know limited Denver and you know Jokic at 26 last night if you looked at the Jazz roster no Rudy Gobert no Hassan Whiteside you probably would think he would have had more so um the Jazz played a great game and by the way Utah bringing in Rudy go uh, Rudy Gay this year was a deliberate move now they didn't 
I don't think they think they're going to beat the Nuggets very often when they don't have Rudy Gobert. But the Jazz, like the Nuggets, have evolved over the last few years where you go into a playoffs, you say, what's not working? We need to have an option to do this. And one of their options was Rudy Gay playing the five. Now, last night, Denver should have dominated. It's going to be my main talking point. Denver should have dominated those minutes, and they did not. But it's not a coincidence. Like, Utah wanted that game last night without Rudy Gobert. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Gobert's like, I can go, and they're like, no. We want to practice this because it's going to be a big part of – we're never going to play 48 minutes this way, but we want practice doing this because we might need to play eight minutes this way in a playoff series against Anthony Davis or against Jokic or against one of these bigs. And so last night was an important, in my opinion, an important game for the Utah Jazz to kind of get that practice. And they did great in large part because the Nuggets let them off the hook. Let's take our break. On the other side, though, I'm going to get into how Denver left them left off the hook as well as a handful of other notes. Uh, sexy pizza. If you come out to the DMVR Broncos tailgate, the DMVR tailgate uh, this Saturday at Mile High, we're going to have sexy pizza there. Um, they've got a bunch of locations throughout Denver. Uh, they've got one in uh, the Highlands. They've got one on South Pearl. Um, hit them up. Go pick up pizza there. Order it for delivery from January 8th through January 12th. So this is coming up here in a couple days. days. Uh, DNVR listeners, you guys can get 20% off with the code SEXYDNVR, all one word, S-E-X-Y-D-N-V-R. Uh, so call up Sexy Pizza, stop into one of their locations. Um, www.sexy.pizza is their website. Use promo code SEXYPIZZA. Uh, that's available this coming Saturday through Wednesday. You're going to get 20% off your order uh, from Sexy Pizza. And like I said, we've got it at the tailgate this weekend. So if you're in town, stop in Saturday at Mile High. Get your fill of Sexy Pizza there, too. That's it. I like draft- oh, you got another one. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, we've hit the final week of the pro football regular season College football is heading to the national championship. DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to get all fans in on the action for this exciting time on the football calendar. New customers can bet just $5 on any football team to win their game. If they do, you win $200 in free bets. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get in on same game parlays. Get those in on NBA games as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any football team. Just $5. College or pro. Win $200 in free bets if that team wins. Promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. So back here uh, on the DNVR Nuggets podcast. Um, so don't forget, subscribe, guys, because all these clip things I'm talking about, how many clips do I have? Let me see. I've, oh, my God. I've got 12, 12 clips for the list today. So it'll be a pretty Oof. good one. Um, so uh, Austin Rivers did a really nice job in this game twice of attacking closeouts. And to me, if there was one thing I could, like, you know, wave a wand and force him to do, it would be to be better at attacking closeouts. And by the way, it's not just, he's the most egregious of this because when he does the shot, fake jab, step shot, fake jab, like it just, it kills the flow. That is what makes Jokic so special when you can make quick moves and get the ball back to him. So it kills that. But he did a good job last night of attacking. He had one great, got all the way to the rim. He had another one, I think drew a foul. And I think 
the Nuggets as a team, I think, could emphasize this. Like their offensive coordinator to me, so much is always thought of an X's nose. Sometimes it's about like what little traits can you say, hey, up the frequency of this. And one of those is attacking closeouts. The Spurs, I've talked about this before, but the Spurs traditionally are the best in the NBA at catching. Uh, like if you're open, obviously you're going to try to shoot it. But if you're not open enough and the sw- maybe you don't have the swing, is it going to get you anything? Attack the closeout, one dribble, and then kick. And the Nuggets had a couple of nice examples of this. Austin Rivers in particular stood out because yeah. he's really bad at that. Uh, <laughs> Jokic passes to the corner. I tweeted this one out, so that was a freebie. But those passes to the corner, when you when Jokic gets a screen in transition, he's bringing the ball up, you set up screen, so he's the point guard, and somebody rolls, usually Aaron Gordon or Jeff Green. When you get that, Jokic is the best in the league at throwing that no look to the corner. He just he does like three a game where he throws that one, and it's always so fun to watch. If only Denver will start knocking those down a little bit better. Now, but now Harrison, we get to the part that I really want to talk. This is the this is the important thing. Would you guess who had the highest offensive rating on the Utah Jazz last night? <sighs> I want to say Rudy Gay. To be honest, he was so good. It was Rudy Gay, of course. Yeah. it was, because when you go small and you put a guy who is. 210 pounds on Nikola Jokic, who's 280 pounds, you're gonna, you should get murdered on one end of the court. The only way you can make it viable is if you punish the team on the other end of the court. So, what do you sacrifice? So, what do you gain when you play small like that? You gain spacing, three point shooting. What do you give up? Points in the paint, offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding. What happened was Denver let them off the hook during those minutes. Denver, if this was a playoff series, I don't think would last more than one game doing this before it's like, hey, you keep taking the, some of the shots that you took in this one and you're going to be just completely out of the rotation. Yep. But I want to get to some of these here. Oh, man, I'm going to have to screen share. I didn't realize I was going to have to screen share this way. Uh, hold on one second, everybody. I got to go entire screen. Can you see me over here? Yeah, I got you. All right, so let me see what the order was here. Oh, yes, uh, Davon Reed was the first awful shot. I posted this one on on uh, online. So here we have Rudy Gay guarding Jokic. This is one of the first plays in the entire uh, the entire uh, game where Rudy Gay checks in. He's going to guard Jokic. So naturally, you're going to post Jokic up, right? Davon Reed, for some reason, this is a dribble handoff. He's kind of open, but he's open by design. Boyan Bogdanovich is like, take that shot, I dare you. Please take that shot. No rebounders. 14 seconds on the shot clock. Jokic has... I mean, he loves to play from this elbow. He's got Rudy Gay, and he, and Davon Reed checks in and takes that. This is a frightening shot to me because Davon yeah. Reed's a 10-day guy, and the thing I like about him is he doesn't take these shots. One, even if you're wide open, this is the worst shot in basketball. It's the farthest you can be from <laughs> yeah. the basket while still being a two-pointer. And two, there's no rebounders, and more importantly, this is a spiritual battle the Nuggets and Jazz are waging right now, a spiritual war between small ball and big ball. And when you punt that advantage, it's just, it's an absolute killer. Yeah. Um, that's wild that they didn't get the ball to Nikola Jokic right there. I mean, it should be so easy. Like when the Jazz goes small, it's your first option, your second option, your third option. Right. Like find Jokic on those mismatches and boom, it's like right there in front of your eyes. Now, I think the fact that Denver's down so many assistant coaches right now is, and Michael Malone is a storyline that probably hasn't gotten enough play in these two losses. Like that's a huge 
thing that's really hindered Denver. I mean, they're down to Popeye Jones, who's their you know fourth assistant coach, right. and then you know a couple guys who are usually on the second row of their bench are their two lead assistants right now. But I still don't think that's an excuse for plays like this. Like this should be simple, simple basketball. And it's just also a mind frame. And, and I'm going to talk about one big thing here. But again, this is the battle. The Utah Jazz, they brought in Rudy Gay so they can play these small ball lineups, these stretchy lineups in short stints. Last night they were forced to play at a bunch of minutes, but they won a bunch of minutes. So it was like elite practice for a thing that they're a weapon that they're actually going to need. And Denver needs to be better prepared for it. Here's another one I have for you. This is so Denver was up 12 to 2. They come down, and I think Boyan's or Rudy actually it was Rudy Gay hits a three-pointer. So don't yeah. take advantage on one end. Jokic has to guard Rudy Gay in open space, pick and pop, and he knocks it down. 13 seconds on the shot clock. Barton takes this mid-range contested pull-up. Jokic is the highest guy back. Another example of a possession, no rebounding. This shot has an expected value somewhere around one point, meaning he's gonna he's gonna shoot a little bit below 50%, and you have no chance of drawing a foul, no chance of getting an offensive rebound. You have nothing. So two plays in a row, you're up 12 to 10. You punt your advantage against the Rudy Gay at center lineup on a second consecutive play. They come down and make another three-pointer. A couple plays later, 1914, Bones, first fresh into the Man. game, 19, he dribbles up into a contested three. That's the ball right there, by the way, if you can see this. That is the basketball. It was within an inch of being blocked. He misses it. There's no rebounders. And Jokic, Jokic he hasn't even court. made it to the three-point line yet. He's like barely made it into the front court. So you talk about, okay, a battle, a spiritual battle between the Nuggets going big and the Jazz playing small. That was a 9-0 run because they came down the other end off after that play and Donovan Mitchell hit a corner three. So you're, t- or I think it was 9-2, but nonetheless, a 9-2 run. And you're talking about, okay, did you – take advantage of what they were doing and, and make Rudy Gay drop, get fouls. You know, you get yourself into the bonus, you get offensive rebounds, you do all these things. No, you just let them off the hook with these shots and they come down the other end. Did they do what their advantages? Absolutely. Three threes yeah. and four possessions. And you go on a nine, two run Harrison, a nine, two run is a seven point swing. The nuggets lost by six points. By the way, there were more, there was a lot of little things, a lot of, of these little ruts that the team got into but for whatever reason, the team was just not mentally prepared for the task yeah. at hand. They need to be mentally prepared for, hey, guys, they don't have any bigs. Rudy Gay's going to check in at some point. And when that happens, we always go through Jokic. 100% of the time, we try to get him. Jokic, when you're in the game, go down to the block. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to space the court. And Denver just wasn't prepared for that at all. Yeah, Monte Morris talked about this last night. And he was saying, like, look, we don't have Michael Malone on the sideline, like, yelling at us, like, get the ball to Jokic, get the ball to Jokic, which is apparently a thing that happens. <laughs> right. I, I, I didn't know that Michael Malone was just on the sideline, like yelling that out to guys coming up the floor, but apparently he is. Um, they don't have that right now. And, and like I said, I, I really feel like that's a reason that their offense hasn't, it's looked out of sorts a little bit over these last three games, especially not as much against Houston, but the Rockets are terrible, but these last two, but Monte also talked about like, we're down all these coaches we're down all these players. We've got to be smarter. Like we've got to do the little things. We've got to, you know, make the right play, the high IQ play. We've got to take advantage of mismatches. We've got to box out. We got to be first to loose balls. Like those are the types of things they have to do, especially now because they're down so many guys. If they don't do those things, they're not going to win games. 
I see it when somebody here says of those, at least Reed was the the uh, Reed shot at least was open. Here's the thing: one, Davon Reed doesn't have a green light that Barton and and, and Bones do. Two, it was a long two, so it was a worse shot statistically. Like Bones's was a contested three, but at least it was a three. You have a little bit better odds at that one. And three, most importantly, it was the very first play when Rudy Gay checked in. So it was a tone-setting yeah. play. This is where we talk about high IQ, but this is also just like the team, you know, understanding, hey, here's that thing we talked about. It's go time. Here we go. And they just didn't execute that. But I'm telling you, the Utah Jazz did. They ran that pick and pop immediately. Rudy Gay comes in. It's like, okay, it's go time for us. We yep. got to put Jokic in space. And they successfully did it. And here's the real thing I want to talk about on this one, Harrison. I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, George Carl is big on Denver needs a point guard, a floor general. And I agree with him because I think floor generals don't forget that. Like floor generals know, hey, it's go time. Like this is my job. But I think number two, Denver needs a vocal leader. Maybe this is the same person. Like Chris Paul is this person for Phoenix, right? He's both the point guard, but he's also the guy that if he's playing with Davon Reed and Davon Reed takes that shot in that moment, as soon as there's a dead ball, Chris Paul goes over and screams at him. And is like, what the hell is your problem? You're going to be taken off this team. It's set back to the G League if you take one more shot like that. And I don't think Denver has that guy. Jokic, to be honest, his body language was terrible, and understandably so. Like, he's these shots, to him, it's like, how could you possibly take this? But I do feel like Denver does not have a guy. And I'm not sure Jamal Murray's this guy either. Maybe he's growing into it. But I don't think Denver has a guy who has the clout and the willingness and ability to step up and say, Davon Reed, that's a terrible shot. Bones Highland, that's a terrible shot. Your ass better not do it again. Draymond Green does this. Like people think Draymond Green's a crazy, even Chris Paul, they think he could be an a-hole teammate. He's not. He just knows you have to be like direct and, and emphatic in these moments to make sure everybody understands the mission at all times. And I just worry Denver lacks that, right? And when you watch games like this, where it's not one possession two, it could be six minute stretches of that type of basketball. And I think Denver needs that guy as much as they need a skill set. They just need that guy that says, we don't do this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like that guy above anyone is Michael Malone. It's probably the closest you have to that. Um, And that's definitely the type of stuff he's saying in timeouts and whatnot. And, you know, sometimes over the course of a game, but I feel like they have guys who, if they spoke up like that, they have the, like Monte Morris has the clout within the nuggets to be an asshole. Like, I think if, if Monte Morris was, was yelling at Davon Reed, I think that's something Davon Reed would definitely respect. Um, now, would like Will Barton respect that? I don't know. Well, um, somebody put but, it in there, and I don't want to bury on the guy, but Barton, I don't think, can be that guy because Barton is as bad of an offender as anyone. Like some, you know, right. especially recently when he's healthy, I don't mind his aggressiveness and not even healthy. Like, the last 20 games, he just has it. I don't know if it's health, fatigue, or maybe it's just him pressing too much and it not working. But whatever it is, I don't think he can be that guy because he would be yelling at himself. Yeah. It's like, look, do most teams have those guys, though? Because you name two two players, Chris Paul and Draymond Green, who are at the total end of the spectrum in terms of having the clout to right. call people out. Um, I don't know how many guys – you know, or around like that, 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 that could be at that level, you know, it's the same as point guards, like the true point guard. When we went through the list, it was like five guys in the whole NBA. And most of them are like max salary type players. So you're right that there is not, but when we talk about basketball, so often people, especially over the last like seven, eight years, 
people have talked about basketball in terms of statistics and, and this or that. But I'm telling you, even from the experience of level basketball I played, those types of things, the leadership, and does this team have a guy that calls everybody out when they make mistakes, but does so, look, not – most guys don't have this talent. You call somebody out and they're like, F you, dude. Like, come on, you don't have the charisma, the clout, whatever. But the guys that actually have the ability to do that sternly but still be respected, that list of people is very, very low. And I just worry, yeah. Denver. Somebody said Jamal Murray's that guy. I'm a little doubtful. Adam is – or I'm sorry, uh, Jamal Murray is incredible. He's a great player. He brings a lot. I don't think I've seen that from him yet. Maybe he's developing I haven't. it. He is, he is young. He's, what, 23, 24? So maybe he's developing it. But I think the team desperately, desperately needs it from somebody. He would be a great candidate for it because I don't think it can come from Jokic. I just don't – I don't know that he has it in him hmm. um, for all the great things he obviously has. A uh, couple quick little odds and ends, and then we'll talk about the All-Star break here um, or the All-Star game. Jazz did a really good job. You're going to laugh at this, Harrison. I thought the Jazz did a great job of keeping Jokic off the glass. <laughs> and you're going to laugh <laughs> because he grabbed 21 rebounds. But if I were to ask you without looking, who had more offensive rebounds in this game, the Jazz or the Nuggets? Oh, the Jazz. The Jazz. I mean, Jokic, Jokic only had, what, a couple offensive rebounds? Two offensive rebounds. Yeah. The Nuggets as a team had six. The Utah Jazz yep. had eight. Royce O'Neal himself had two. Rudy Gay, who was going well, it was, Jokic, it, had three. It was Royce O'Neal on the Austin Rivers possession that I was talking about earlier, not Rudy Gay. So that, that was two of Royce O'Neal's offensive rebounds on that one play. Right. So Rudy Gay versus Jokic, big versus small. Rudy Gay had three offensive rebounds. Jokic had two. And I, again, this is you can't blame Jokic. He had 21 rebounds. But I thought Utah actually did a good job of keeping Jokic off of the offensive glass. And it was another reason that, again, we talk about when you go big versus small, you need to win every battle. They're going to win every battle. They're going to win the three-point battle. They're going to win the, like, spacing you out, make you run around. So you got to win the, the every big battle, and they didn't do it. Um, uh. Nuggets did a good job in the second half uh, and really even in the second quarter of adjusting how Jokic guarded Rudy Gay. So if you notice, you go back, I'll have this on the list. When they ran pick and rolls, Jokic would step out at the ball, but when the ball, so you run pick and pop, right? With Rudy Gay, but rather than have Jokic show and then recover to Rudy Gay on the pop, they would actually bring the weak side and Jokic would recover to Royce O'Neal. And then eventually yeah. they just had him guarding Royce O'Neal. And I think that was a nice adjustment. Denver did get better at that specific aspect of it. Um, but like I said, the damage was done in that first quarter run. The rest of the game was played evenly. You just you blew it right there. Um, and then lastly, the Jazz opened the third quarter on a huge run, 20-9. to nine. Denver calls a timeout, and they, they've done this a lot. I don't know if you've noticed it. They run uh, out of a timeout. You're hemorrhaging. Lead, you're, you went from up, down 1 to down 12 or whatever, and you call a Jokic three-point play. <laughs> I don't get it. Jokic is murdering this team inside. And the first play you call out of a timeout has Jokic 27 feet from the basket for a, a pick and pop jumper. That was mildly contested. At, at what point in the game was that? Like, was that in the fourth? Uh, that was the third quarter. That was during third this quarter. So that was before I think there was a camera shot of Jokic drawing up a play. Oh, no. That, that Did you see that? Later. Yeah, that play came right. later. Right, right. So uh, when you were saying that, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't think Jokic is the one who drew up a three for himself. No way, he no drew, way. I think he drew up the play where he comes around for the post up. He did, and this is what's funny yeah. about that is I'm guessing it was a response to that. Like they, yeah, no, they that, that's three. the first thing I thought. Yeah, and I think he's like, screw this, we are not running another pick of a timeout. I'm not going to allow. And they got a great look on that play yeah. that he drew up, I think, and he got fouled, and they didn't call it. Um, but it was a good play. 
Uh, real quickly, Kale, go ahead and bring up the all-star voting. We'll get into this before we take our final break and, and welcome in the Serbians here to talk a little yoke, a little Serbian Christmas, and a big surprise. But first, uh, the voting. First, first ballots are in, the early ballots. This is like CNN. I'm calling it. I'm calling it for Nikola Jokic. He's going Stop to the it. count, Adam. Stop, Stop the, the count. count. He will be an, an all-star starter for the second year. But actually, here's what's interesting. Jokic is second. In among all front court players, only to LeBron James. Are you and by a wide margin, by the way? Look at Paul George way the hell down there. Are you at all surprised to see Jokic? I mean, he's got three times the votes as Anthony Davis, four, three times the votes as Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> wow, he's got eight times the votes of Rudy Gobert. Are you surprised at all by how popular our, our king has become? I'm surprised he's this far ahead of Luka Doncic. Um I mean, yeah. Mark Cuban's got to hire some more people to like work in the bowels of uh, that Mavs arena and, and vote for Luka Doncic on like some supercomputers and stuff like he probably usually does. But yeah. Because I feel like Luka's always, you know, more near the top, but Jokic over him. Um, I mean, it's right. Uh, that's probably the one that surprised me a little bit. Well, here's the thing, though. I honestly, I'm being serious now for a second. Jokic has the third most votes of anybody in the Western Conference between Le behind LeBron James and Steph Curry, like two of the most – probably the two most famous basketball players of the last 10 years. Right. And he's now third behind those guys. To me, this tells me a lot. It tells me something important, that Jokic is actually a lot more popular than I think people realize, you know, than he's given credit for. I complain, and I, I, I hate complaining about this stuff because I think it gets whiny. I think sometimes people hate – Jokic like fans hate him because there's like five people online that nonstop just spam Jokic <laughs> propaganda like we all know who they are the same people like every time there's anything you know uh, what, what will happen like Carl Anthony Towns will make a three-pointer as a game winner and someone will quote tweet it with like Carl Anthony Towns has one game winner in the last eight years where Jokic has and you're like dude that had nothing to do with this don't be that guy yeah there's three or four guys that are that guy but this tells me that Jokic is actually a lot more popular and I think even beloved than uh than most people realize, including the ESPN broadcast last night. <laughs> Definitely more than that broadcast. How different is this than last year's? Because like, is he's obviously way more popular than he was last year. He won the MVP. Um, I mean, the incident that got Jokic, honestly, the, the most clout and upped his Q score the most and his notoriety the most was when he, uh, clocked Markeith Morris. Uh, so he's definitely, you know, a bigger star than he was at this point last year. I think that might be it. Honest to God, there's a chance that Jokic got over the hump by uh, by clocking Markeith Mark Morris. Yeah, I mean, oh, the Western Conference Finals run was great. Uh, the MVP was great. All-NBA first-team center. But that is the one incident that really put him on uh that, that really put him to the front of the casual nba fan look at joel Embiid way down there 1.2 that's another million. one yeah wow way down there look at jason tatum my goodness 50 percent of Jokic. that's that's insane uh actually less than 50 percent uh some funny names that are on here obviously there's always some funny ones anthony day has been nowhere near uh, uh all-star but look he's a laker but it says a lot to me that even he is six. Like even Lakers fans, which there is make up half of all NBA fans, were like, "Nah, <laughs> not this year, not this year, bro." Uh, yeah, Carmelo Anthony somehow though got the like Carmelo Anthony to Lakers fans think Carmelo is almost as good as Anthony Davis. Carmelo Anthony is getting the Kyle Kuzma vote share. 
that, uh, from <laughs> Lakers fans. Kidding. Like everybody that voted for Kyle Kuzma in years past is just voting for Carmelo right now. Poor, poor Rudy Gobert. I mean, he is look, he's 200,000. Like he should be way, he honestly should probably be third on this ballot, but he's the, he's overtaken Jokic on the guy that everybody just like massively underrates. Uh, if we go down here to the guard spot, Russell Westbrook, 200,000, that's pretty, pretty wild. Like he's arguably the LVP of the season. Um, Clay Thompson coming in fourth. I mean, the vibes have been great from him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else. To... And then Derek Rose, of course, getting that token Derek Rose vote. Uh, that was probably just um, Dev, superstar Dev voting over and over again. <laughs> it definitely was. Let's hit our last break. We got some Serbians waiting for us, and they don't like to wait. So uh, we'll bring them on afterwards to talk about a Yoko interview and a couple other things. A Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. We've got seltzers in the bar. If you're local, stop into the DNVR bar, grab a Breck Brew seltzer. If you're not, you can pick up the Breck Brew seltzers at your local liquor store, usually, uh, sometimes your local grocery store. Breckenridge Brewery, they're doing a really cool thing with the National Parks Conservation Association this year. They're teaming up with them. The tragic fires in Colorado were absolutely devastating for so many last year. Breck is donating 1% of all their profits this summer to the National Parks Conservation Association. So if you buy one pint or a pack of Breck brews, you're donating that 1% to a great cause. Um, so yeah, check out the Breck Brew Seltzers. If you're local, if you're in the area, stop in to the DNVR bar, have a Breck Brew Seltzer there as well. Um, also guys, if you're looking to take out a mortgage, it's a super complicated process. It's, it's stressful. It's intimidating. Hit up the good folks at Chevalier Mortgage, Mike and Virginia Chevalier. They've been in the mortgage business forever. They know all the ins and outs, all the tricks of the trade. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Get set up with a free consultation. A free consultation. Uh, Mike and Virginia, they're great people. They'll just give it to you straight. Um, they're DNVR people. They're Denver people just like us. So hit them up. dnvrmortgage.com. Mike and Virginia Chevalier. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right, before you bring them on, Kale, everybody, we are going to be joined here in a second by uh, two homies. You guys absolutely know them, but before we do, Kale, do you have a drum roll on, on hand? No. Okay, drum roll, please. Announcing this weekend, the part of the DNVR Nuggets podcast, Serbian Corner with me. Wow! A new show that we we uh, have on weekends. You guys know the Nugget DNVR Nuggets podcast five times a week. We're adding a sixth show, and it is going to be featuring our next two guests here, Serbian Corner, where we share some Serbian insights on the Denver Nuggets. Very excited for this. Serbians, welcome! Hey, everybody! Thank you. <laughs> excited! I wish we had more music uh, and this or that. You know, drum roll. I need the up. anthem playing. I need the horns going right now. Like <laughs> we get our account shut down. We can't do it, but this will be a really cool project. Um, Miroslav, you brought it to me. You guys have been talking about this. You want to explain sort of what your vision is for this brand new show? Uh, well, the idea is to, to bring a, a new kind of perspective uh, on the on the season uh, while it's already ongoing. And uh, uh, you already had a bunch of uh, Serbian corners uh, before. And just like when D-Line 
started his standalone show online with D-Line. <laughs> this is an attempt to 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 launch a standalone uh, Serbian yeah. corner show. So hopefully, hopefully this one lasts a little longer than online <laughs> with D-Line. <laughs> uh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, this is awesome. Voya, like, what, uh, what are you hoping to talk about throughout the show? And, and, you know, what are some of the things you feel like maybe we miss by virtue of us not being Serbian other than Superstar Dev? Yeah, well, the, 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 you know, the idea is, as Marisol said, just a little bit of a different perspective, just based on us being raised in Europe and different approach to, like, youth basketball and how we grew up with it and just also just being forged in pain uh, with, like, being, like, you know, struggling with sports sometimes and then like rooting for bad teams like it's kind of and then we you know by us sticking to it with it like that's kind of something we want to instill in nuggets fans as well that it's not just like good when it's good like there's also like silver linings and you can enjoy things even when it doesn't look as as good as uh you know as the bubble, as the bubble was and then also your, just having some fun is your mic and wi-fi going to be a shitty the uh entire uh series or just just now oh, I don't know. Maybe it's now. <laughs> I hear you guys great, but yeah, is is it really bad? It's all right. It's it's fine. Just a little staticky. Um, I'm, okay, I'm excited. I'll, I'll get it. I'm excited for this though. I mean, there is a lot of things that come up where we have to reach out to one or both of you guys, as well as your partners over at the Nugget Serbia podcast, and and just say, hey guys, help me out. Like, what is the perspective on this? What's going on? And so I'm looking forward to. To learning, you know, it's obviously will be an English language. It's going to be part of the DNVR Nuggets podcast. This won't be a Serbian show. So it'll be an English speaking show for all Nuggets fans. uh, And I'm really excited about it. To start with some of the Serbian insight, Miroslav. um, So you said you had a take here on Jokic and why he's so popular all of a sudden. He went from nobody knows him to all of a sudden he's like the fifth most popular player in the NBA. Yeah, I have no idea what is the percentage of the votes that, that come from Twitter and that come from the NBA app and the NBA.com site. But if you go to the NBA app or the NBA.com site and start uh, putting your votes in and select Western uh, frontcourt players, there, there you will have LeBron James as the scorer number one and Nikola Jokic as the scorer number two. So a very casual fan will recognize, oh, this guy, I think he was an MVP last year. So maybe I should give him a vote. So this might be one of the reasons why we have such a strong uptick in the in the votes. Although it was pretty similar last year. Last year, he was also second or third scorer at, at the at the All-Star voting right. um, um, period. So So that might contribute as well. But I'm yeah, sure, I believe I'm I sure. believe he has two hundred thousand more votes this year as than last year. So he, he it's around like the same ranking. He just has slightly more yeah. votes this year. I think honestly, winning MVP. This is it's funny because the conversation to me is so annoying. We're already doing the exact conversation we had last year, but it shows you why people are so defensive over it. It's because it actually does mean something. Like if you're the runner-up, you remember Jokic was the third most getter. Was he third or fourth? like three years ago, it didn't give him a Q score bump at all. Like it doesn't matter if you're almost the MVP, but if you actually win it, you do get this little like fans are like, Oh yeah, that guy's the MVP. Yeah. He's the MVP of the league. That's all you need to know about it. And I think of it the way I think of other leagues like baseball or football. I have no idea who was the second MVP or third MVP, but if a guy wins an MVP, I'm like, Oh, I've heard of that guy. Yeah. He's good. He's an MVP. So I think it, I do think it makes a huge difference. 
Um, I think Miroslav's onto something here because when you do go to just the voting page on NBA.com, Jokic is the second name list. Yeah, there you go. This is why Will Barton is the worst player in the in the universe because he's always like the fourth <laughs> scorer on the Nuggets. So it must be that he's a bad player. You know, that's that's how the casual. Well, he's been pretty bad, man. It's tough. Like Will Barton, yeah, I can barely defend him anymore because he has to, he has just been really, really bad for like twenty games, maybe more, uh, and, and it's really hurting the Nuggets right now. Um, yeah, I was I, yeah, I was loud defending him at, yeah, at the beginning of the season, and now it's it's hard. It's really hard. Hopefully, <laughs> to take back a lot of stuff. <laughs> Seasons are so long, and I feel like you're great players. Part of what makes Yoke special is he's great all the time. I mean, he's had like two or three bad games this year, and it's felt weird. Um, but he's good all the time. Anybody less than like the top five or six players in the NBA, they actually aren't good that often. They're like good 50% of the time, this or that. And unfortunately, Barton's like well below that threshold right now. But I want to talk, one of the reasons I want to have you guys on, obviously to announce the show, but there was a really interesting uh, interview the other day. By the way, Miroslav, you were a minor celebrity for a moment there as the uh, English translator of this uh, this uh, interview. Um, how did you enjoy your spot and uh, your chance in the spotlight? Uh, well, it, it happened uh, accidentally because I was watching the interview and 40 minutes in, I was like, shit, man, this is really good. This, this, is, this is some golden, golden quotes. So I just started tweeting live and then I went back to the beginning of the show. So, so yeah. my tweets were kind of messed up, chronologically uh, uh, speaking. But, okay. uh, but yeah, it, it, it really, really uh, saw a lot of uh, spotlight on the, on the Twitter especially from the uh, Los Angeles Clippers fans, because there was one quote about uh, why the Clippers couldn't uh, finish the series after leading 3-1 in the bubble against the Nuggets, where Nikola Jokic just said, well, they didn't try to, to, uh, to adapt in any way in, into guarding me or guarding us. And, uh, and the guys just took that quote away and just took their... Uh, Doc Rivers voodoo dolls out of their their you know <laughs> uh, tables and just just started harping on on Doc Rivers again. So it was cool. It was it was really nice. But a lot of other it's very true, wasn't it? <laughs> also very true. <laughs> well, let me I mean, let Nico, me ask you Nico, this one to start. What was this interview? What was the purpose? Who was doing it? And and why did it happen now? Yeah, it was uh, the interview for the Serbian Sport Network called Arena Sport. Edin Avdić and Nenad Kostić Kole are the the uh, uh, long for long years are the the play-by-play guys for the arena sport, and they got the world exclu- exclusive the uh, the New Year's Eve uh, uh, interview with Nikola Jokic. It was actually broadcast on December 31st, and uh, these interviews in in his native language are very rare, and those are you know the interviews he only feels comfortable in. Speaking, speaking in yeah. it. So uh, we managed to to to, to learn a lot f- a lot from them. It was uh, it was really brightening. The the quote I mentioned about Doc Rivers, he didn't try to harp on the guy, but he just wanted to give away the, the honest answer. And this is not something he usually does in English because right. he's always afraid he will be misinterpreted. And when he's speaking in Serbian, he he thinks, ah, who cares? Nobody will hear this unless that crazy right. Miroslav guy translates everything but yeah it is true though like you've talked to me about this before the difference between Jokic because my impression of Jokic as a media personality 
He loves the really goofy, like physical comedy, right? Like he loves the microphone. Like he's really good at that. He loves that. But when it comes to actually articulating, I don't find him to be very poignant. Like he doesn't, he's not, no. he often like aims really, really low. But you've said when he speaks in Serbian and even translating some of your articles you've shared or translating this, this thing, he speaks in like metaphors and he like paints a picture. He speaks, he has some like really interesting phrases and sayings that he textures into what he's talking about. What did he have one in there that you translated that was the world gives you two boxes. One is happiness and one is sadness. And when you unwrap them, they both say the same thing. This will pass. Like it's such a funny little story <laughs> that you're like, wow, I would never imagine him saying this in English. Yeah. He's from the Northern Serbia and and the, the the life is very slow over there so there is enough time for you to become a poet so uh, yeah i i can i can see that i can see him you know uh, sitting on a on a com comfortable chair next to the danube river or next to the canal that that's passing next to sombor and just you know thinking nice things so yeah i i love that as well it's it's really it's really interesting and he is funny as hell he is funny he's so funny he had so many one-liners down there that I didn't even translate because it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's too much things. But, but it, was, it was a really, really nice uh, interview. And, uh, and he did a really good job of giving the audience much more than what the journalist asked him from, for. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, what's, you know what's interesting with, him with, that, with the media stuff is a lot of those good interviews are, come with people you know, with his thing is always a personability. Like he knows the, he knows Adin Avdic for a while. Like he knows a lot of these like new basketball guys from Serbia. One of the guys I know is my my, my neighbor. He wrote a book and he had an inclusive, inclusive interviews with Jokic and all these other Serbian NBA. Oh no, oh no, boy! You might have totally cut out whatever you hit. Ah, we lost you. We lost you, Voya. Serbian internet has taken you. Um, we'll circle back to that here in a second if you get it solved out, um, get it figured out. Um, was there, What else was there from that interview? Was there anything you didn't translate that you feel like is a little anecdote for us, Miroslav? Well, that's, a, that's a good question. Let me look at my notes. I think I have something that I haven't, that I haven't translated. Hmm. Hmm. Not sure about it. One thing I, I want to, to, to uh, speak about... Uh, uh, thoroughly is the fact that he feels that he was always a good defender but the problem was the, the language barrier he has with English and for, for many years he says that he didn't have good communication with his teammates on defensive end and as soon as that improved of course next to his conditioning and, uh, sure. and uh, some stuff he, he learned on the way he, he became this much much be better defender and I have to say at one point last night during the broadcast against Utah, uh, the guys from the ESPN who were broadcasting were like, oh, you see that? He already has a second block shot. He's right, not right, such right. a bad defender. Somebody should pay attention to him. And, and there are like, like so <laughs> many analysts screaming, Nikola is a good, <laughs> is a good defender. But yeah. You know. can, can I tell you something? Harrison, do you remember this? I asked Michael Malone this one time, like this was like five years back. I said, is it more difficult, do you think, for Jokic being the captain of the defense because he can't speak the language? And Malone made fun of me. He didn't just say no. 
he got mad at me and like belittled me saying like, how hard is it to say help or show or this or that? And I was like, I don't know. I think it's kind of hard in a different language. Like you just have to take some other layer of thought. And he like ridiculed it. I'm like, I'm so glad that this came out. And I'm years later, no one will remember it, but I'm vindicated for my question. Yeah. You're wrong. I hope you're watching Malone. Good on you. Oh, he's watching. <laughs> yeah, for sure. sure he, he, he saw who, who is on the show. <laughs> yeah, he saw Miroslav was here. Uh, what else? You want, you want to try it out again, Voya? Nah, you're just, uh, you're just SOL, buddy. Your mic is not working again. So, all right. Uh, well, we look forward to, to seeing you in your first episode this weekend. Um, Miroslav, is there anything else that you want to share just to kind of talk about, you know, any, anything recent from this game or from, from the, from the interview that you want to share? Uh, one last thing from the interview I want to share with you. I think his Nicola's main motive for doing this this uh, interview is to show how much he cares about the national team of Serbia. Really? Because at one point he mentioned that uh, uh, the highlight of his career was the silver medal on the Olympics six years ago. Right. right. And how cool that that uh, experience was for him, and uh, that this uh, this achievement of his is equally important to him as as the MVP trophy he has in Denver. So when he put that uh, that letter to the press last summer that he is sorry right. that he cannot join the national team uh, for the Olympics, uh, I think he was really sincere and he really wanted to, to, to put an emphasis on that. He also said that uh, uh, the biggest takeaway from that Olympics was the Serbian water polo team one of the most right. dominant uh, uh, teams in team sports teams ever that just like won everything in, in 10 years. He said he loved their camaraderie, camaraderie because these guys were just uh, hanging out all the time. They're each other best friends. And it's easier like that in, in a small sport, sport like, uh, like water polo because there's like, I don't know, a hundred top level players in the world. And then yeah. after that, there is a big drop off. Yeah. So, so sure, there are things there are things that that uh, that help that kind of chemistry over there. But uh, uh, I think he he is he is um, excited about future future showing in the national team for sure. We're running a little long, but I want there's two topics I want to throw at you here, and the first one is, and I'll throw it to Harrison first. I just want to get your take. But Jokic gave us as good of a. Um, uh, an assurance that he values Denver and wants to stay in Denver the other day when he's talked about Dirk Nowitzki and how much he idolizes him. And I know we've talked about this a little bit here, but um, you know, on a scale of one to 10 Harrison, what's your level of confidence in, in Joker being a nugget past next season when his contract is up? Oh, 20 <laughs> past yeah, next season. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, past next season. I mean, he he's going to sign the Supermax this coming summer. I have zero worry about that. I thought you were going to ask me for the rest of his career, but yeah, I'm 100% confident he'll, he'll be with the Nuggets for a long, long time. The, the thing he said about Dirk, I mean, that was just the third instance I can remember over the last several years where he's really, really hinted that he wants to stay in Denver for his entire career. He told Tim Connolly back in 2019 that he can be the Tim Duncan of the Nuggets. Oh, he goes, no, that'd be pretty <laughs> yeah. cool. And Tim was probably like, yeah, that would be pretty cool. And then 
just last season, he said, like, if I was to win a championship, I, I would definitely want to win it, you know, with the Nuggets in Denver. And he kind of hinted that, you know, it wouldn't mean the same if he necessarily won it somewhere else. So this was just another uh, just I don't even want to call it a hint because he's pretty much coming out and saying it that, you know, he, he wants to stay in Denver for his entire career. Every time he gets mad or frustrated, I'm just like, oh, God. But you're right. Why why, why worry about these things? I'll say Miroslav has been the second most confident person all along that Jokic will spend his career in Denver, or at least his next contract. The only person more confident than you is your co-host, Milan, who DMs me, I'll say, like, maybe once a month just to be like, I told you, he's staying in Denver. So, <laughs> so um, why are you so confident, Miroslav? Well, I have a cynical view of the of the thing. Because I know Nikola goes where Mishko tells him to go, okay. and uh, and uh, since Mishko is not involved in anything other than the basketball money, he will be sure that that Nikola gets that supermax. And the only way Nikola doesn't sign a second supermax with Denver Nuggets would be if he would retire in six years. Right, Hopefully, right. he will not do that. And uh, I think I think we can confidently say we we will have another ten years of Nikola Jokic in Denver. This is a cool note from ten. So, wow, uh, man, ten. I don't know if we'll get ten years, man. I don't know if we will get ten. I'm not going to be, but I'm not going to worry about eight years from now until that. I don't. How old will I be? I'll be mid forties by that point. I'm not going to worry about it. Mislav says that Jokic also shouts out former Yugoslavian players, not just Serbians, which I think is cool. That is a, a neat thing, and um, right. I always love it. Uh, the last thing I'm going to ask you: the Nuggets are 500, but tomorrow is Serbian Christmas. We we failed on Yokmas. We failed on regular Christmas, but Serbian Christmas is our last hope for like boom, line of demarcation. Here's where the season turned around. Do you expect anything special from Jokic tomorrow on this holiday? You mean more special than last night? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Somebody at the, at the very beginning of the show, somebody asked if I was excited or not excited about the season as it goes right now. And I have to say, I'm really excited about the season because I have no idea what the Nuggets are right now. Yeah. If yeah. I would ask you guys, how many guys played all five last games for the Nuggets? What would your, your guess be? How many guys? Of the last five games? All of our last five games. Man, Jokic. Yeah, there's Jokic for sure. Austin uh, Rivers. Faku. Yeah, I, I'm not go- I'm not gonna torture you. It's six guys. Wow. And okay. and the six guys are Rivers, who is a third string shooting guard, yeah. uh, who's Damon been Reed, who is a 10 year 10 day yeah. guy, Campazzo, who is a third string point guard, J. Yeah. Mike, who is a very unsuccessful backup five, Barton, Barton, who 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 cannot play defense anymore, and you know his royal groundness. Nikola Jokic. So it's really hard to analyze what they are right now. Yeah. And God knows what they will be in, in the next month and a half. But yeah. there is still that hope that when Jamal comes, they are not like five games under 500. Right. And they can still make it up. And I really hope to see uh, the 3-6 matchup between the Jazz and the Nuggets. Because uh, if Denver has like two competent guards in that matchup, everything will will look much, much different. I mean, we had Montemoris for this game, but he was on the, on the minutes limit yeah. and on off the bench. But if you have both Jamal and Monte over there and other guys backing them up, 
then you can speak about something something really serious against Utah. And I think Denver would actually play better if Rudy Gobert played last night. Uh, <laughs> I love Utah, that. Utah is a team that really knows how to play without Gobert. And Denver has no idea how to play without Jokic. Oh, because they are used to playing like 18, 19 minutes without Gobert every night. They know what they're doing. Of course, they're... they're the offense is so good, so so strong. They can, you know, just just uh, keep afloat by by scoring a lot during those minutes, even if they're getting destroyed on defense. But uh, but I think I think uh, I think that Rudy Gay is a worse matchup for Jokic than than Rudy Gobert. Man, I hate that take. <laughs> I hate it. Like I do think. Look, there is something to Denver's familiarity level. You get in a playoff series and you throw Rudy Gay at the five. I'm sorry, Jokic is going to score 50 points every game. They're going to game plan for it. They're going to be better prepared, better execution, and that would be barbecue chicken. Absolutely. They put Boyan on him. Remember when he put up 47? Yeah, That'd be the exact nice. same thing. Jokic would put up an effortless 47 every single time against Rudy Gay. Just last night. I showed the I showed the tape. I showed the clips. That's what happened last night. But we got to run, guys. We went really long today. Um, Miroslav, I'm excited for you and for Boya. Uh, excited for this venture. So you guys, five DNVR Nugget shows a week. Not enough. We're adding a sixth one. Serbian corner. It should be different. Should be unique. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, Saturday at noon. Mark it down. Saturday at noon, Denver time. Harrison, Saturday you got any noon. final thoughts? Um. I've got to respectfully disagree with with Miroslav. I don't want to see the Jazz in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't really, I don't really care for it. But there's nobody I want to see in the playoffs. I'm, I got, I got to see this Nuggets team look look good for more than two games uh, before I get there. Thanks, everybody. Hit that like button on the way out. Don't forget subscribe. This is a podcast, not just a live show. We love doing this live with you guys. See in the comments. But if you ever miss one, you can listen to it in the car, the shower, wherever you are. See everybody next time. The list later today. DNVR members only. Before we get out of here, guys, I want to let you know about Strava Craft Coffee. I don't know about you guys, but anything I can get delivered to me, I'm all for. What's even better is CBD-infused Strava Craft Coffee is the ultimate gift this time of year. Do you have friends, loved ones, or colleagues that suffer from migraines, joint pain, IBS, maybe a burden vote? You must gift them some CBD-infused Strava Craft Coffee. It ships straight to your door, and they will thank you. Strava is now giving our listeners 25% off their entire purchase when you use promo code DNBR25. That's 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com when you use that promo code DNBR25 at checkout. You can also subscribe. Subscribing means you save every single time and have it delivered to your door every two, four, six, or eight weeks, whatever you prefer. And you get 20% off every single time when you do that way. So subscribe, order one off. Whichever way you want to do, go to StravaCraft, oh, I'm sorry, StravaCraftCoffee.com. <laughs>